Oh, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gardner, and I'm a nutritional therapist by trade specialising in sports nutrition. The podcast focuses on nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. Thank you for downloading, listening, and I hope that you get something useful out of today's show. The podcast is supported by 33 Fuel, who produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. You can gain Matt 10 off your first order by using that at checkout and the link is in the show notes, lovely people. So after you've listened to this, click on through, see if there's something that you like. I love their chia seed energy gels for my long bimbles. I like their protein um, and their energy bars for some outdoor activities, some snacks um, on more active days. So I hope you find something useful. Right, today we're going to focus on supporting immunity and thinking about winter wellness, bolstering yourself around your nutrition, so the food that you eat, um, food products, supplementation, it's brilliant to be able to welcome back a practitioner called Phoebe Liebling. Now she's a nutritional therapist, a product and recipe developer, and she's been on the pod before. So if you want a more in-depth conversation about Phoebe, her background, how she got into things, I've also put the first episode in my show notes and it's called Female Health and Making Every Mouthful Matter. So let's get into things. I hope you find something useful. And as always, if you like the show, please share it with someone share it with a friend or a family member or a work colleague. It's the only way the show's really going to grow. So that'd be really brilliant if you could do that. And without any further ado, let's get into things. Phoebe, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I love coming on and chatting to you. No, it's great. And I think before we start, it'd be brilliant to hear a little bit about where you are, how you are. Um, I've kind of picked the brains of the the guests that I've had on a little bit to see how they're getting on, you know, during these strange and difficult times. So what's the last kind of month or so been like for you to give the listener a bit of context before we dive into some of these knowledge bombs? So my, well, my, I guess, last couple of months have been a little bit interesting in the sense that I came out of Spain um, and then accidentally stayed here because I'm usually London-based um, and I'm very happy being there but I had a flight out and a flight back booked and I came out on my flight out and my flight back then was cancelled um, so being very very fortunate to be able to support my clients online and like the stuff has meant that I have been living very close to the beach and enjoying the that it's nice and warm here and then just kind of cracking on with life so I have to say in terms of COVID land I've been I've quite enjoyed August (laughs) it's been it's been pretty good yeah working hard and then I guess living just as hard enjoying that work-life balance in the sunshine it's been pretty good 100% 100% I think if, if you're listening to this and you're not following Phoebe already I'll put everything that you need in the show notes so you know you're fantastic at documenting things that kind of morning exercise getting in the sun what you're having for breakfast obviously some of the recipes and things that you're developing but um, just to be a little bit selfish and I think because there's quite a few practitioners um, you know young practitioners and people that are maybe studying who want to become nutritional therapists or sports nutritionists how have you found that transition online because obviously you're usually used to I know you move around a lot so you do you do work with people obviously before the pandemic um, at their houses or in shared workspaces or in the the clinic that you work in in Harley Street so how did you find that 
kind of adopting full time online and you know do you do you stack calls do you give yourself some time to then write plans or put little notes together to do those later like what you know what does a typical day look like now you've greased the groove around a few months of doing this so yeah i think it's a it's a very interesting thing and i'm actually coming back to the uk this week and i was having a little reflect as i was sort of packing away my bits and pieces and i think i've noticed in myself quite an evolution over well since since the 16th of march so when everything started to go a little bit funny because I see quite a wide range of clients and some of them are coming quite far or they're poorly or I was having to move around quite a bit, like you say, go to people's houses or offices, I felt that in terms of managing the expectations of my clients, it made sense for me to just say, right, until we know what's happening, I'm going to take everything online. And at first, I thought, my goodness, this is amazing. I'm saving hours of my time. I've got so much more to give to people. I can really kind of like pack things in. And I went, I flew into it with so much sort of verb and energy and it was great I was getting up in the morning I had all my weights at home I was going for runs around my local area then I was like coming back and having breakfast and then doing back-to-back calls and writing plans if it was going out of fashion recipe developing in my kitchen whilst my computer was facing the other way and then after about three weeks of doing that I went oh my good god I'm so tired because I think what you realize after a period of time is actually doing things on a video call requires you to be ever more present because you don't have the physical interaction with somebody you've got to send your kind of your body language and all of that kind of thing you've got to project it across the screen because you want to have for somebody like myself and and like yourself the rapport you have with your clients is integral you can be the most incredible practitioner you can know absolutely everything down to fine detail but if you don't have a level of trust and a level of interaction with the person in front of you you're going to get absolutely nowhere um, so yes, after the initial bit, I realized that actually I needed to space things out a little bit more. So I started to divide my day a little bit uh, better. So I do a morning clinic, then I have a break at lunchtime and actually leave my flat, whether it was to go out for a walk or anything like that. I just make sure that I went outside and I was away from technology because also the other thing that I noticed amongst my clients, but also in myself, was that my sleep started to go a little bit fine. Um, I started to sort of wake a little bit more at night, so I was getting a bit of eye strain, which is completely normal, obviously, being on technology. So, yes, I just gave myself a little bit of a break, um, and I found that, actually, I had to be more careful about my evenings as well because with no social life to dilute everything down, um, it's very easy to find that you start work at whatever time in the morning, and then dinner happens, and then, well, cool, I'll go back on my laptop, and for me, that could be writing plans for somebody it could be doing a product development thing or some research for a company that I'm working with but I'd I'd all be on social media and I just find that yes everything bled into one um so yes it's it was an evolution over time and that's why I think as well when I came came up to Spain it was quite important for me I took a little bit of time off at the beginning and I realized quite how tired I was uh, never to complain. I was very lucky to be busy, as I know a lot of people who are self-employed have really struggled in this time. Um, but finding work-life balance was something that was almost thrust upon me out here, and it's something that I'm really, really going to try to keep um, when I get home. But yes, it's been it's been a change, and I do look forward to being able to go back to being in person. Um, I don't know exactly when that's going to be. Uh, but I do have requests from people to actually meet me physically again. So yes, when I get back, once I'm out of quarantine, I will be back in my office 
and uh, seeing people in the flesh, which will be both strange, but also lovely. I'm quite looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, I think anyone listening who is a practitioner, obviously you'll just try and keep up with whoever you're registered with, what their um, terms and conditions are around meeting people face to face and doing it in the right way. But it's good to explore these things, obviously, before we get into the nuts and bolts around the the nutrition and the supplementation side of things, because a lot of the time, you know, people like us are seen to, um, you know, be bulletproof. And also we speak to people about all of uh, these things around habit formation, sleep, um, all of the little bits that may complement changing the diet too to obviously produce an outcome so i like i like kind of spinning the yarn a bit on the show and just talking about how we're all trying to just get through each day anyway and um you know it's it's a new normal for us as well even if we are a bit busier online and there's people listening to this and they do still have a very busy practice online you know you want to be the best you can be for your for your clients and your colleagues and things like that too so it is it is important to just find that balance so no, I think it's really useful insights, Phoebe. Thanks for that. And um, yeah, if we dovetail now into talking a bit about how to support oneself around, you know, the time of the year now, we're going to be starting to kind of dive a little bit deeper. Autumn, winter, people are starting to look around the corner, Christmas, you know, a lot of uncertainty. So I think hopefully we can use this show to signpost people to a few things just to consider things, I think, to begin with. And be good to get your perspective but i like i like starting with that top-down approach average dietary pattern you know what are you eating generally weekday weekend day you know it used to be at work or at home now a lot of people listening to this will obviously be at home then you've got your food groups then you've got your nutrients and then you've got these kind of food-based bioactive components and i think people are obviously trying to come in at the bottom there and I'm sure we will dis- discuss some of the, the interesting additions, but I think it would just be brilliant to start with one's average dietary pattern. And then I think as we go on, we can just filter through each section and people can then pick things up where they need it. Does that make does that make kind of clear, clear goings? Like, what do you think? That sounds absolutely perfect to me. And I actually love the point that you made about us appearing in Bulletproof. And one of the things that I've tried to show through my social media over the last few months is... I am 100% not. I make plenty of mistakes and I ignore the, the signs that are going on for me when I uh, when I probably shouldn't do. So yes, hopefully both all of the things that we know as practitioners and then all of the personal experience will come through and people will find plenty of interesting stuff to, to take away from this. Good. Um, yeah, we've, got, we've got a lot up our sleeves, I think. Good. No, I'm the same. I think, I, you know, I battled with poor health as a, as a personal trainer in my 20s, pneumonia, lots of low energy all these kind of things you know you think you're well but actually you know you do need to have a good hard look at yourself so no it's nice to kind of show that side to begin with and then hopefully we can show a few things that we've picked up along the way things that have worked with with our clients and things that we're we're reading about in nutrition science world and then obviously i've got you on because you're you're uniquely positioned with a large amount of your client base you're looking for uh, alternatives you know utilizing foods and and the way you cook foods or don't cook foods in in some ways to 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 try to boost the nutrient density of someone's diet so i think if i put you on the spot to begin with you know that average dietary pattern if we start in that section where where do you think is uh, you know is the way for people to consider that so if we've got listeners now thinking i just can't seem to get a handle on my diet i know the seasons are changing 
what what can I do one or two things to then start just supporting my nutrition by thinking about what I'm eating day to day so I think that the two key words here for me are always quality and variety but I don't want that to be something that overwhelms a person sitting in front of me and like you say the brilliant thing at the moment is that not everyone's going to be going back to work or if they are going back to work they still have a little bit of flexibility in their schedule so it might be that they're only in the office a couple of days and then they are at home so getting a grip on just being a little bit more experimental and developing a bit of culinary confidence is the best thing that you can do so if we can generally move away from things that are pre-prepared for us because when you start to look your fresh produce so your fruits veggies and also your meat products and your, your other animal bits and pieces as soon as you start to prepare them they're being exposed to air so sort of when you chop up veg if you're doing that and then kind of putting it in a pan or just kind of eating it straight out you're maintaining the nutritional value of it and you will get all of that goodness if you start buying pre-prepared things um well you've not only lost part of the nutrition in the fact that they've been chopped and they start to oxidize but also it might be that they've um, been sort of coated in something to stop that from happening. So you're kind of adding extra layers on top. So, so my big thing is if you are eating out of packets or you're using those kind of things, try going for fresh products instead. And it doesn't need to be that all of it needs to suddenly go back to basics. But if you can do, I don't know, half of what you're doing, changing over time. So... Oh, I'm trying to think. So if you go to um, go to the supermarket and you buy ready prepared, I don't know, salad mixes which have grated carrots and all that kind of stuff in, instead buy yourself a lettuce or some rocket and whole carrots and some whole tomatoes and start like piecing things together there. <clears throat> and the same with your kind of your other ingredients. Start looking at where you can be more diverse as well. So if you always buy broccoli and carrots and potatoes, maybe next week what you buy is cauliflower broccoli. And sweet potatoes and mm. every time you add a different food into your routine you're adding an entirely different nutritional profile and the more that we can vary between those the more we're going to give our body there's a uh, an over sort of overwhelming recommendation that we should try and include 30 different plant-based foods into our diets per week and that sounds quite a lot when you just hear the number straight out but what I do with a lot of people is I say, right, I'm going to give you this table and it's got 30 boxes in it. And what I want you to do is over the course of this week, just have a think and note down when you're eating something different. And when I say plant-based foods, I'm not saying like just fruit and veg, things like nuts and seeds, different types of fruit and veg. So sweet potato and potato would be two completely different things. And red onion versus brown onion would be two completely different things. Pumpkin seed versus sunflower seed, lentil, brown rice, quinoa, all of those bits. If you start actually jotting them down, getting to 30 doesn't really, it's not that big of a thing. And if you've got 30 different foods in your diet per week and three to six of them change each week, that's an incredible amount of nutritional diversity that you're going to get into your diet. Mm. So that kind of idea of diversity and mixing between is quite integral uh, and quality. So Mm. try if you can to go for the best that you can. Obviously there will be maybe budgetary thoughts there but i would always go especially when it comes to things like animal products go for the higher quality and bulk them out with more kind of store cup ingredients like your brown rices and your nuts and seeds and your lentils and your beans and your pulses and go for that sort of like those organic eggs 
or that really good free-range chicken, organic if you can do, same with meat. Just try and kind of up the quality of those things because you will get more nutritional value from better quality products. Uh, but yes, obviously do it within within your means. Mm. But things like your, your store cupboard stuff, it's always good to, to bulk things out. And again, it's not you're just bulking it out with random things. You're bulking it out with really good quality food still. So yeah, it would be kind of basic points, I guess. Brilliant. So I'm hearing in order to kind of move forward in this like average dietary pattern section and try to boost the nutritional density, it's just, um, you know, building that culinary confidence and picking meals. I think you highlighted a salad there. So if we use a DIY salad, for example, if you're listening to this and you're used to buying one, take time to then be able to prepare one or two from scratch. I know a lot of people obviously pre-lockdown might have changed now, but are used to uh, buying their morning beverage with their porridge or their eggs or whatever. Um, so if you could obviously get around a, a porridge dish or, or an oats dish um, or making eggs or something like that, I think that's a brilliant place to start. You don't need to go to get overwhelmed and, and absolutely overhaul everything. I think if you can pick up a few skills and make one or two dishes at each meal, you know, obviously society's built this breakfast lunch dinner approach but i think it's quite useful to use in this context if you can have in your mind actually what do i need to work on am i a bit kind of behind in terms of breakfast options and that's why i may be buying it all the time look back think okay what do i need to, to prepare that get a food shop in place lunch may be something you want to take a hold of or you might be wanting to take a hold of your evening meal so i think after sorry phoebe go on no, I was just going to totally agree. And I think that a lot of the approach that I often take with people is to sort of say, well, what to you is the bit of your routine that you're kind of most unsure about? And I think people do struggle with breakfast. But if we if we take the idea of oats as an example, you could either do porridge, so overnight oats like a birch muesli, you can turn them into pancakes, or you can do something which a lot of my clients really enjoy and their kids really enjoy, which is what I call scrambled oats. So you've got a basic ingredient, but you've got four very different ways of presenting them, all of which can be prepared in advance in more than one portion. So again, what I'm talking about with a lot of clients is the idea that if they get into the habit of doing these things now, so on a Sunday night, they prepare three portions of overnight oats, and they've got that Monday to Wednesday, but they've also made themselves some little oat pancakes with banana and egg and maybe some nuts and seeds in and they pop them in the freezer, that's Thursday and Friday sorted, and all they have to do is whip them out the freezer when they want them on on those the next morning, if that's when they're going into the office. Um, or they can, well, scrambled oats, just so that people know what they are, is to basically soak some oats in boiling water and then whisk in uh, one or two eggs, and then you just scramble them in a pan, and you can add, you could add spinach, you could add courgette, you could add banana, you could add whatever you want to it, mm. but it's just a very quick way of almost doing it's basically like taking eggs on toast but putting the carbohydrate into the actual egg mix so you've got even less to think about um when you actually want to come and serve it up but yes having having simple quick things that you get under your belt is a really nice way to then feel more confident if you only sort out your breakfast for two to three weeks then that's infinitely better than you were off but when you started and then then start thinking about lunch then start thinking about dinner but don't think that you have to climb the mountain all in one day because yeah. that's that's not how we work <laughs> you'll yeah. do it for one day and then you'll get bored and then you move on to do exactly what you're doing before yeah definitely so you know what i'm hearing is 
quality and variety and building that culinary confidence and then I think in your mind if you're listening to this and you want to get started that 30 different plant foods is quite interesting and like you said it can top up you know you've got you've got your um you know you've got your dried goods you obviously got your fruit and vegetables you might use frozen um you got your nuts and seeds and things like that too and I think just consider what are you going to scratch cook like Phoebe was talking about there with the scrambled oaks or what you're going to batch cook um, and then you can get ahead and you can start to plan and nail, you know, an, an entire meal through throughout the week. And, and that's, you know, that without having to get into the nitty gritty around how you're changing your nutrition, you, you will do so already. So I think that's brilliant. I think that's a great I think that's a great place to start. And um, if we move on to the next section, the kind of food groups, it'd be brilliant to have a chat about fat and especially cooking oils and things, because. I think we were doing that before the call, before we recorded, and we were both discussing, okay, how can we get more energy into people's diets if they're training a bit harder? Um, how can how can we get them to, you know, scratch cook a little bit more and consider how they're going to start their meals and what they're going to use? And obviously, fat fat's that canvas for helping a lot of people cook some of these really nutrient dense ingredients that we may get into, like your gingers, your garlics um your onions leeks all those kind of things so it'd be brilliant to hear a bit of your take phoebe on we discussed olive oil in the past i think people are pretty aware that olive oil you know is part of a healthy diet so it'd be interesting to to think about some other oils and and have your take on this avocado oil and um you know these days the good thing is a lot of these products are very available so if we move into this food group side of things and now we're in we're in we're in the fat side so that's obviously protein fat uh, carbohydrates we can split carbohydrates into a few different sections but if we just lift the lid on fat and then a bit around cooking oils it'd be good to get your take on a few things there absolutely i think fats are i mean we have ever-evolving thoughts on different food groups and fats were demonized such a long period of time and i think it is just a, a question of knowing the fact from the fact from the fiction um as you mentioned very quickly the things that it's a lot of the therapeutic style foods that we want so your antioxidant rich stuff your your gingers your garlics your turmeric things like black pepper or even even vitamins like vitamin a they need fat to be absorbed properly and utilized properly so we need to make sure that we are concentrating these fantastic ingredients into our diet what i would say as a general point is when we look at fats being heated versus fats not being heated when we are going to cook with fats we want to go for something that's quite stable um, and you'll hear lots of different people talking about things like flash points and smoke points. We don't really want to take a fact to the point that it's smoking um, because that is showing a chemical change. My personal preference, I absolutely love avocado oil. Um, it's a bit newer on the scene than you would think. Sort of like lots of people talk about coconut oil. Obviously, we've got things like animal fats, butter and ghee. And if it's a saturated fat, so there's kind of like stiff room temperature fats, that would imply a level of stability. So if you are going to start off a dish and saute something, and a little bit of coconut oil, a little bit of butter, a little bit of ghee, I mean, if you want to use things like lard and beef dripping, they're actually fine to use. Just obviously use them in, in relative quantities because they are they are saturated fats and we don't want those to be more than about 10% of our dietary intake. But then good old avocado oil um, is a liquid one. So it's slightly different because we would, as I previously said, oh, a liquid oil, that's not something that we want to be heated. But actually when it's studied, it stays lovely and stable and it's got wonderful anti-inflammatory fats in it. It tastes delicious. 
Um, my personal preference is for a brand called Hunter and Gather, uh, based in the UK, but you can get lots of different ones. Uh, but they cold press all of their avocado oil and they make fantastic avocado oil products. So that's that's a really big one and a really good one. Um, but my overall guidance when it comes to fats is to to enjoy them. Obviously, they are very nutrient dense. We do get more energy per gram than we do from from carbohydrates and proteins. And in terms of sort of fueling people up, that mental plasticity and that cognitive function, all of that nervous system stuff that we need to be tip top, especially when we're working a lot online, that's all going to be fueled by fats. It's a nice, steady, sort of clear form of energy to drip into our systems that actually if we combine it with our good quality protein and our really good quality complex carbs, you're going to find that you feel a lot better uh, and I say a lot more clear and a lot more energetic for a sustained amount of time if you're getting those those really good quality fats into your diet. Um, and yes, you can cook with them, absolutely. Uh, I do cook with fats. You can also add them cold. So you've got all of your wonderful fatty foods, so things like your oily fish, you've got your avocados, nuts and seeds, um, olives, all of those bits. Get them in too as well. So do a combination. Cook with some fats, but then also look to other cooking bits like roasting and steaming and poaching and stir frying and steam frying because also that brings a level of enjoyment to your food to get different textures and then then start adding in your <clears throat> chopped up avocado and your sprinkle of textural seeds and lots of lovely savory olives and sun-dried tomatoes and things uh, at the end of the meal then mix them up but yes definitely fats big thumbs up for me especially in the time when our nervous systems need to be ever more plastic and flexible to all the burdens that we're, we're chopping at them at this point in time. Good, good. Yeah, and what I'm hearing again, it obviously comes back to quality and variety. And I think if we touch on a few points again around nourishment, fat fat as fuel is interesting. And we're not obviously going to go down the rabbit hole of a, a kind of low carb and, and exercising in that kind of state, because I think we can touch on that in a different conversation. But it definitely gets people thinking, hopefully, if you're listening to this, and, and you're looking for more calories, you're looking to up the nutrient density of your diet, you know, start with what you're cooking your meals in as a base. And like Phoebe said there, if we move out of the food group, um, which we're discussing fats and move into the, the nutrient section, if we come down again, and we're thinking about vitamin A from some of the foods that Phoebe discussed, and then we know that fat is uh, going to help a lot of these vitamins with the absorption side of things, the story all starts to come together and it may be a few simple changes and look people don't buy these things every week so if you're listening to this and, and you're stocking up for the next few months around cooking oils and stuff like that um, I'll obviously leave the link in the show notes to, to what Phoebe discussed around products and things um, but then you can consider what am I going to use for the next few months to stir fry uh, or bake with um, or flash fry with and things like that and it's and that's a brilliant place to come in and then hopefully some of these other fresh um, or, or frozen plant-based foods that you're using that you're cooking with in in, in fats then they're going to help as well and, and it's all about their nourishment building the nutritional density and and just making it easy as well so have some of these things on your shopping list and bring them into your house and then you know because I'm sure Phoebe if I let you go and talk about omega-3 fatty acids like you did talk about vitamin a talk about and we'll get into the kind of food component bit in a sec you know some of these extras antioxidants and polyphenols and things you know as nutritional therapists we 
we got into this industry because we are fascinated with that stuff but then the end user the client if you're listening to this and you're picking up information you may not want to know all that back end stuff but you do know that a variety of of, of fresh foods generally uh, are good for us so it's about kind of getting these things into place without hopefully um, creating too much decision fatigue um, so I think that's a brilliant place to touch on in terms of uh, in terms of food groups obviously but when we move on in a sec Phoebe we can go a bit deeper but is there anything else at that food kind of group level that you want to bring up uh, yes, I just I had a sudden thought because one of the things that I have been talking to people about recently is the concept of satiety. So how satisfied do you feel by your food? And I think that one of the things that people get a little bit concerned about with fats is the prospect of overeating them. But then what I get from them is they actually find that, say for example, breakfast is the perfect example. So people would have something like porridge and they would maybe make it with milk or nut milk or water. And so they've got a carbohydrate base and they've probably got good amounts of fiber in there if they've chosen their jumbo oats. Maybe they've added a few nuts and seeds and maybe they put some fruit on top. And they tell me, oh yes, now I feel, feel good and sort of satisfied by my porridge, but then I'm hungry again at sort of 11 o'clock. And I say, well, actually what you've got missing from that is comparative to the quite heavy carbohydrate bases, you don't have enough fat in there. And fat is integral to trigger our satiety hormones. So in terms of actually getting the most from your meals, and I mean, like we said, the, the three meals a day concept is something that was semi-created from us. And there's a whole whole conversation about how we can adjust our eating patterns to suit us better and all that kind of thing. But when it comes to the winter and when it gets darker, one of the things that we need to be very careful about is how we balance our energy. And energy is linked to a lot of different things, which I'll kind of chuck out. So you've got your stress hormones, you've got your cortisol, which actually dictates when you're gonna feel wakeful and that links with your melatonin, your sleepy hormone. Uh, but then you've also got things like your blood sugar, which will go up and down. And that's quite sensitive to perturbations in your stress hormone cycle. So the way that you eat, if you can leave bigger gaps between more compartmentalized meals, that's naturally gonna make your energy more balanced. And making sure that there's fat in all of your meals will make you more satisfied less likely to snack in between and therefore more balancing your energy and i know that we came at it from a prospect of people wanting to actually gain weight but i deal with a lot of people who are actually trying to lose weight or they're sort of working with diabetes diagnoses or cardiovascular disease risks or mm. anxiety or sleep problems and actually they don't have enough fat in their diet so that link with not feeling satisfied then means that they actually eat more in between their meals and that's counterproductive for their goals so I think when we look at fats, they obviously need to be tailored to the individual and the amount that you're eating would be sort of relative to what your end goal is or that kind of thing, but they must be present. And yes, continuing, I'm sure that you're with me on this. The fear around fat is something that we will sort of fight against ongoing. Um, but definitely, before we leave fats as a food group, mm. just a, a little twig towards energy winter wellness and um and general sort of satisfaction from food that's one of the big things about fats obviously it links to your other food groups but fats are really really important there and people definitely under eat under eat them and then find that they're actually yeah being being counterproductive to where they want to end up as a result mm, brilliant and i think a final pull on that strand you know down down the the fat conversation what i'm hearing is uh, thinking about the timing of your meals and it comes down to 
supporting energy levels and things too so if you're hearing this and you are someone that's eating little and often and your energy levels are up and down then maybe just think about like phoebe said there the level of fat in your meal but also if you're someone who is quite wary of the total amount in terms of overall energy calories then you can still include these foods but portion size may need to come under the lens a little bit more I had a brilliant conversation with a client last week and um we're looking to manage the overall total but keep variety and things in there and we're just taking a tablespoon to a few things um and it's not something that's drastic there's not measurements and scales and having to do this all the time but because he's cooking from home a lot more and has a little bit more time to scratch cook just using tablespoons when it comes to things like oil when it comes to things like nut butters you know it will help control portions so um, that's something to consider if you're looking into the type of your food and including fat and thinking that the last 10 minutes or so have been really useful um, you know you can still step back and think about the timing and and it you know it hopefully won't overdo it in terms of the total amount that you're eating as well because obviously people are aware that um, fat is quite energy dense so there's a few things to think about but I think in that section hopefully you found something useful even if it's just an alternative uh, cooking sauce and oil and flavour and you might be someone who who's very comfortable in terms of uh, average dietary pattern who's very comfortable in their weights but they're thinking actually I'd quite like to just change the taste profile of my meal so I think just the, the oils and then, like Phoebe said a few minutes ago, finishing meals with little sprinklings of toppers of nuts and seeds or little bits of oily fish or things like that. It just adds another texture dynamic too. So I'll cut that there. I know this that's the kind of foodie side of me coming in. I get really passionate about these things. It's not for everyone, but no, that, I think that's that's absolutely brilliant. So just to kind of continue this focus of average dietary pattern, uh, food group you touched on a nutrient obviously there too and, and a vitamin in terms of vitamin a i think if we move into that final part before we discuss um, a little bit of testing and, and things to think about further on down the line over the next few months it would be good to unpack a little bit around some of these bioactive food components phoebe and um, i think people are aware more often now things like red wine things like berries things like dark chocolate uh, they're in the media a bit more, aren't they, of, of obviously being touted as, as these superfoods, you know. And as practitioners, we're very aware that that is just a term made by the media. Um, but it is it is an interesting area and there's more research into it for longevity. Um, like you said, they're supporting uh, nervous system and things like that. So maybe it'd be brilliant from your perspective and thinking about this kind of side of nutrition uh, where where you found um, interesting experiences with with clients and then also you know if there are a few uh, products or or if you're just going to highlight you know natural foods and things like that too it'd be brilliant to get your perspective well this is actually obviously one of my one of my favorites I mean like you say we could probably go down that little foodie avenue and be here for the rest of the day uh, but this is the kind of area that I really enjoy because I think, well, you know what, we're going to be eating these things anyway. So mm-hmm. if we know that they're going to give us like a hundred times more sort of nutritional value, then let's pick those really good quality products. Um, I guess it's always nice to start off with things that I know that people will love. So cacao, good old chocolate is wonderful in like many, many ways. It's fantastic for longevity. It's a really potent antioxidant. It's a really good quality one as well for our energy. 
So whilst we're talking about women's wellness, I think that a lot of people will find that they do struggle with feeling more tired when the days are shorter. And so it might sound counterintuitive, but I often get people to do what I call a stimulant challenge. So a lot of people will get up in the morning and when it's dark, they feel a bit lackluster. And so they'll have coffee or they'll have matcha and they'll go kind of straight into that caffeine and it will make them feel alert. But what they've actually done is they've overridden their innate kind of mechanisms to wake up. They're sort of like kicking themselves. Um, and actually that then means that they can find that they sort of wobble a little bit later in the day and then maybe they find that they're actually adding in a few too many stimulants um, which then interacts with their sleep and then they find that they actually need it more and it's a vicious cycle which is obviously not something we want to go down down the route of because sleep is very important and if we're not doing it properly we're not going to start off the next day feeling well and that compromises our immune system and like I say vicious cycle we don't want to go tumbling down that, that hill. Um, unroasted cacao, so it used to be that people would refer to it as raw cacao. There's been a little bit of uproar about the labelling, as always happens, um, because when you take cacao, you need to actually ferment it, and the big raw proper foodies say, well, that means that it's not raw because it's gone through a processing. So we will say unroasted cacao, uh, which would be things like your raw cacao nibs. Um, or really good quality unroasted chocolate. And that would be, actually, off the top of my head, brands like Ombar are really good, Panna. Um, I'll, I'll give some to you and you can pop them in, in the show notes. Mm. But the thing about cacao is it has all these fantastic stimulating properties that are very, very calming to the adrenal system. So if you were to start your day with a hot cacao and basically saying have hot chocolate first thing in the morning mm. um, or add it into part of your breakfast, that's going to give you a clear stimulating of energy but it's not going to crash your adrenal system later in the day and then if we look sort of further into it you've got all the wonderful things about cacao like the fact that it supports the cardiovascular system and it protects your blood vessels it protects the brain it makes your brain more able to be more uh, elastic to different pressures that you put on it it also contains something called anandamide which uh, is that called the bliss molecule which means basically that it was feelings of euphoria and um, similar to those that we sort of feel if we fall in love that's that that's what anandamide does and also links in with things like the endocannabinoid system which is what everyone gets very excited about when we talk about cbd oil uh, but again let's not go down that path and we'll be here mm. for the next 15 years um but yes first example a great one to include into your diet, which I'm sure I won't have to convince very many people of, is to take your chocolate consumption and turn it into unroasted cacao-based chocolate. Mm. Uh, and that is a very easy swap, very delicious, um, and it's a very, very nice one just to kind of take a food that you're already eating and turn it on its head and not only continue to enjoy eating it, but then also have this amazing nutritional health benefiting profile as a result so that's that's a lovely quick one to kind of feed in with um i then also think that one of my favorite groups of foods which is probably less um obscure if that's the right word is to actually just go for fresh herbs and i am a big one this also pairs with our conversation previously to fats but when we look at things like energy sensitivity to blood glucose all of the stuff that kind of feeds into us feeling really really good and bouncy but then also when we start looking at natural antimicrobials and things that support our immune function and make us more resilient to the fact that we will be going into sort of cough cold flu season fresh herbs are incredible if you think about sort of all of the wonderful things that you could get in fruits and veg and then just concentrate them down mm. into 
a one thing or a selection of things. That's what herbs are. So there's incredible volatile oils, those smells and flavors you get from fresh herbs. They're all the bits that are your kind of your bioactive compounds. So if we take, I don't know, uh, let's take parsley as an example. Not only is it fantastic as a source of vitamin C, which we know is really, really important for immune function, it's also brilliant for the respiratory system. So when we're talking about coughs and colds, it's gonna be really sort of uh, nourishing and nurturing for that. It's great for cutting through things like catarrh. So if you do find that you've got a bit sinusy or you've got a bit of a chesty cough going on, adding parsley in is great. If you've got problems with allergies, which I know some people will do, it blocks histamine release from the cells. So if you get eczema, asthma, itchiness, people get histamine responses to the cold, all of that kind of thing, parsley is absolutely your guy. Um, and then I can go and do this for coriander and dill and marjoram and mint, but I won't do because it might get a bit dull. But I will say that if you do anything in terms of supplementing your diet, not only with nutritional things, but also think about the flavors there and start getting your fresh herbs in. And all you need to do is get something herby, something else green, maybe some pumpkin seeds or some walnuts, bit of olive oil or your avocado oil, bit of garlic, salt and pepper, chuck it into a food processor and you've got the basis of a beautiful sauce. So you can either use it as like a herb pate or you can start putting parmesan in and then you've got something like a, like a pesto chucking capers or anchovies and you've got more of a salsa verde, chucking chilies and you've got more of a chimichurri. It's such an easy way to start just loading your diet, not only with fantastic flavor and taste, but also with really wonderful, beneficial nutritional compounds. They are probably up there with some of my absolute favorite foods. Um, and then if we kind of dive in, I guess, a bit more, I'm still sticking with the idea of layering and flavor and taste and wonderful bioactiveness, you've got all of your roots and your alliums. So your ginger, your galangal, your garlic, your turmeric, um, and then your, your onion family, so your leeks and your spring onions and that kind of thing. They all contain incredible compounds. Again, anything that smells or has a really, really punchy flavor, they're gonna be indications that they're gonna be active in the body. Garlic, as an example, is a really, really potent antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral. So I'm not saying that you need to be chomping down on cloves of garlic per day, but I will say that if you can start to include more garlic into your routine, then great. And if you can include it raw, then even better. Put it into a salad dressing that you make at the beginning of the week with some mustard and some really good quality vinegar and a bit of oil and that kind of thing. And it can just sit there. And then when you come to, to dress a meal, then all you do is you drizzle a little bit on top and you know that you're kind of adding that stuff in. And when you are making your next bolognese sauce or like a lentil stew or something, start it with some leeks or some onions or mix them together. And maybe not just put sort of celery in, but also do things like fennel. And that's kind of leading into the idea that you're getting all these layers of nutrition in, but also different flavors. Uh, turmeric, good old turmeric, we love it. Um, it's probably one of our most traditional and historical medicinal foods. Yes, it will dye absolutely everything it touches completely bright golden, but maybe we do need a little bit more sunshine in the winter anyway, so we don't mind. Mm. Just pick a wooden spoon and a chopping board that you always use for your turmeric, or quick, quick trick, if you buy lots of garlic, turmeric, and that kind of stuff, and ginger, grate it all up and freeze it in ice cube trays. And then just keep those, pop them out and pop them into different uh, containers in your freezer. And then when you actually come to use them, you will have uh, preserved all of their wonderful nutritional properties. 
but your fingers will only have been yellow for a couple of days and that's got you sort of step through for a month or so for all of your batch cooking um but yes turmeric loves fat so always try to make sure that you're adding it into something like a wonderful curry or have it simmered in coconut milk as a lovely warming drink add a bit of black pepper which always increases the uh, the bioavailability of things um but yes look to all of those wonderful warming dishes as we go into winter so you'll like I say, I love a spicy lentil soup, so something with ginger, turmeric, and lots of and lots of garlic, uh, and some coconut milk and some red lentils. A lovely way to add in all of those bounty of nutritional bits and pieces, and then have something delicious to warm you up at the end of a long day. Um, yes, so there are a few ideas. <laughs> Don't know quite how long I went on talking about them, but that's that's a couple of my top ones. Now I think that's exactly why we got you on the show, Phoebe. Obviously, you're so passionate and experienced, and also because. You love cooking and experimenting with recipes and things like that. It's you're coming from a perfect angle there to kind of blend uh, some some of that therapeutic nutrition lifestyle information with the practical side of things. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I think if I just take a a quick dive into it, you obviously suggested thinking about, and I love that term. I wrote it down a second ago. Um, a stimulant challenge. So if you're listening to this, that first thirty minutes to the hour of the day. Just question what you're doing. We're not saying it's wrong, but if you are someone that reaches for something that has caffeine in it, just consider how things are going. As uh, the sun's coming up a bit later and it's going to be darker in the mornings over the next few months, could you just initially wait to get sunlight in the eyeballs before you take a caffeinated beverage? Um, could you start with something a little bit different, like Phoebe said there, the cacao side of things? Um, it's not for everyone, but some people put simple herbs and things in warm water. You know, that's something to consider um, if you don't want to cook with them as well, but you're still looking to kind of take them in so you could drink them. Um, and then obviously you moved on to some of the information around getting these fantastic foods into your routine. So I know you have some brilliant uh, pastes dressings and recipes and things in there for bringing it all together in a bit of a blender or you can mash things up so I'll link to that um, and that's you know that's a that's a few kind of things to think about and hopefully circle this back to where you're going to go with this information and how you're going to move forward and we touched on these natural antimicrobials we touched on these bioactive food components and if you're listening to this and you think you've squared away your your average dietary pattern, you're aware of your food groups and then you're looking at, you know, what else can I bring in um, to really try to support things? Then hopefully the last, you know, the last little bit of this section has been really useful. And there's definitely something to consider in there. And cacao is a really interesting one. And I'll just get um, in bulk. You know, Phoebe might be able to tell tell me if it's, um, you know, if it's any good or not. But I'll just use a, a company like Linwoods or something like that. And I'll just get their nibs or I'll just get their powder um, and that will just go into overnight oats, that will go into smoothies, um, things like that. And it's something that I might bring in at breakfast um, or, you know, I might bring in after exercise or something like that too. just blend it up with some milk or water or whatever. And it just, you know, it just changes the taste profile and obviously gives you a little bit more nutritional density. So um, there's a lot to a lot to gain from the, the last kind of section that we've that we've discussed. But I think obviously the nature of this kind of show you can pause you can reverse you can reach out to me you can reach out to phoebe you can look at her wonderful recipes so hopefully you found that useful um look i've taken up a lot of your time phoebe and i think hopefully if people are still engaging you know they're getting a lot of information so um we've we work through that kind of pyramid and and people can obviously engage with each section 
I think it'd be interesting to round off now, and we had a good discussion before the call, some of the simple things people can do if they do feel like they need to look under the hood at this time of year. And I think testing and not guessing in certain circumstances is really important. We're not saying you have to do these things, but again, we're just going to signpost, I think, for a couple of minutes to um, a few key biomarkers to consider um, and it's great to have your insight and your experiences around these things. So, um, you know, if someone's noticing a few things around their symptoms um, that are quite personal to them or they're thinking, actually, it's a time of year where I, I might just need a little bit of a health MOT. Um, what what can we consider? Because I don't know about you, but I do. I get messages and things about this, um, you know, over this time of year, at least a few times a month. And um, I'm always signposting people to kind of pick the low-hanging fruit and see what they can do without spending huge amounts of money. So um, it'll be interesting to get your approach for a few minutes here, Phoebe, and think about some of the biomarkers that may be important to to measure or track over this time of year. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. I also think that there's a lot to be said about... There's a lot of testing out there that's absolutely fantastic, and I utilise functional tests a lot, but I know what I'm looking for, and I know that when somebody tells me their whole health picture, that I'll say, right, well, we do actually, at this point, need to get eyes in, and we need to spend that amount of money on a really targeted, specific test. But a lot of the time, people can almost end up spending hundreds of pounds on things that maybe they don't know how to interpret properly, or they actually probably would be better off doing something else or investing in, I don't know, a piece of kit or something that would help them in a more basic way. The one thing I did want to mention that I completely forgot to was about the light in the morning when you were saying that. Something that can be really helpful for people if they do struggle, because a lot of people do struggle with the whole light picture, is to look at things body clock alarm clocks. So there's a brand called Lumi, which I use, um, and it creates a sunrise and a sunset. So we're very dictated by that, um, that change in light. So if you do find that even with the say, adjusting your stimulants and being very aware of what's going on, you really need that that light support. Look at something like a, a UV light, uh, sort of like a vitamin D lamp, or look at something like a Lumi body clock, and that can be really, really helpful for sort of getting you through those really dark winter months, um, if that's something that you need help with. Uh, but yes, before I go off track with that, basic, basic things that people should all look into if they have the opportunity to, and your GP can do this for you, to look at your vitamin D level. Um, vitamin D, we know in, in this sort of strange global pandemic world is really important, uh, but it's also sort of integral for not just our immune function, it's integral for our nervous system, it's integral for things like our hormone production. And if you've got naturally slightly darker skin, you will not only be at a sort of less able to uptake vitamin D from the sun. And we have had some good weather um, in the UK this year, but at the same point, our UV index doesn't really get to the highest, the high enough level to sort of adequately bump us um, for the vitamin D we need throughout the year. You will store it, but you probably won't have been able to expose yourself to enough if you haven't traveled at all this year somewhere really hot and sunny, which is quite likely. Um, so yes, vitamin D levels should be checked. If you've got naturally darker skin, your ability to be up to uptake will be lower and your requirement will actually be higher. So I would be looking at somebody coming back with a vitamin D level at least of about 70 to 75. And if you get your GP test, 
they might say, oh, your power within the normal boundary, but that could be down to about 50. And I would say that's below functionally optimal and you would want to be supplementing. If you're going into winter with a level below 75, absolutely, definitely supplement because you're not going to be building up those stores anymore over the winter and you'll be gradually eating them down. So if your level is around 75-ish, then I would be happy with you giving uh, with you taking a supplement of about a thousand IU a day. If your level is below that, I would suggest that you take something that's a bit higher. And vitamin D is a fat-based nutrient, so it should be taken in a fat-based form. So something like an oil-based capsule or an oil-based drop. Um, and I guess I'd be looking at taking a much higher dose for about eight weeks, then either retesting or drawing your your dosage down to around the a thousand IU mark on the basis that you think that you probably accumulated enough vitamin D over that period of time. But but testing either with vitamin D is really important. Your GP will be able to do it for you. If not, you do have the option to go to people like Better You and they will do an at-home finger prep test as I think will the company Thriver, um, which are quite easy for you to do at home. Other things that are quite important, if you follow a plant-based diet, get your B12 checked if you are feeling low in energy just as a, as a basic because it's something that you won't be getting because you can only get it dietarily through animal products um, and it's something that's quite easy, easily sorted and will make a huge amount of difference if you are feeling a little bit lacklustre. One of the big ones is always, always, always please get your iron levels checked before you start supplementing with iron. There are huge amounts of adverts all over the place saying, oh, you're tired or you've got fatigue, you need iron. Um, the thing about iron is that the symptoms of excess are exactly the same as the symptoms of insufficiency or deficiency, and excess iron is actually quite dangerous to the body. Similarly, too, having too low iron is dangerous to the body, but we need to know what the number is before we start adding stuff in. Um, obviously, if you were to come back as anemic, your GP would offer you um, a synthetic iron supplement. I'm quite picky about those. Iron can be quite constipating. So if you do come back with a, with a low iron and you do get offered an iron supplement, drop me or you a message and we can we can say maybe don't take that one ask for this one or you can get this one over the counter that's actually a bit better quality um so yeah iron's quite an important one to look at and again when it comes to energy and feeling a bit lackluster in the winter can also be quite useful to look at things like thyroid levels it's not necessarily going to be a concern for a lot of people but if you are feeling exceptionally cold, you are feeling very, very tired, you're feeling a little bit low, it's just an idea just to check. And again, this is one that you need to get the numbers for because the the kind of clinical ranges from a GP's perspective are much broader than somebody like me or you would deem being okay. So yes, they would be my kind of basic things to have a look at. And then obviously if you were having more specific concerns, then we could look into other testing. But just as a quick under the hood scan, go for those kind of things. And also you can look at um, things like well woman and well man profiles, which a lot of private labs will, will offer, mm. which is just kind of like a battery test of those bits I mentioned, and then your basic nutrients like your magnesium, your vitamin B, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, those options are all there. and But a lot can be done for free <laughs> rather than going to the big swanky hundreds of pounds for all of this wonderful data that you then probably get back and it's 17 pages of stuff that you don't really understand yeah but a little glance under the hood for things like vitamin d and iron is a really really good place to start yeah interpretation is everything isn't it and i think that's it if someone's offering you all these tests you kind of want to know as a practitioner if you're 
if you're paying them, you know, have they got experience interpreting these tests? And then, you know, is a follow up required because that's going to cost more? Um, I think that's brilliant. And again, um, lovely people, I'll, I'll put Phoebe's recommendations in terms of because I know obviously there'll be various companies and price points out there around supplementation for uh, vitamin D. Usually that's generally a bit of a cheaper one. Um, and B12 and I, and they, they usually don't break the bank. But I think it's important, like you said, the differences between uh, just just the um, what, you know, what it's actually housed in. And like you said, if it's coming in uh, droplet form or if it's coming in a capsule form with a bit of fat with it, um, those things are important to consider. Um, but I think that's a that's a brilliant place to start. So vitamin D, B12. Uh, irons that be obviously your ferritin levels that you check and then a thyroid check and like phoebe said there if there's anything further you know you have that conversation with the gp and this there's other markers and things that you may want to discuss with a nutritional therapist um or look at these panels these you know these these kind of private finger prick blood testing kits especially a lot of us working from home they are interesting um phoebe mentioned a few there i've, I've worked with a company called fourth in the past so i'll put that in but i think it's you know if you're looking to spend then you know there's a lot of options out there but again it, it comes down to the interpretation and, and some of the key markers you're looking at but hopefully we've we've highlighted uh, you know the um i wouldn't say most important ones but things that are probably close to the top of the list um i think that's absolutely brilliant we're coming on to close to an hour um so i think taken a huge amount of information for you today phoebe that's absolutely brilliant is there is there anything else that obviously i know you could talk about um food products your recipes um testing and loads of kind of practical recommendations and things but is there anything that comes to mind that we haven't discussed that you, that you think you want to just uh, sandwich in at this stage or um you know should we just mention obviously where people can follow you and how they can keep in touch and then if people have any obviously personal questions afterwards um you know you're you're obviously as available as you can be um and you're always very quick to respond on social media so people can ask questions if they need to yeah absolutely i mean everyone can find me um on instagram as at underscore natural nourishment um, and just be in touch that way or i'm sure you'll link to to my website the one a couple of things i think that maybe what i'll do is instead of explaining them in great detail i'll leave them as kind of nuggets for people to explore if they want to um so some other things that people might find useful to add in as additions to their routine over the winter would be something like some extra zinc so zinc is a fantastic mineral um and do a very quick google search and have a look at your top zinc rich foods things like lamb and pumpkin seeds and that kind of stuff so make sure they're in your diet but if you looked into something like a really good quality zinc supplement, make sure it's got a ratio of 15 to 1 zinc to copper and look to be adding in about 15 milligrams a day. Probably have it in the evening um, because it can be a bit harsh on the tongue, but that can be a great thing to add in. Um, things for the family, so things like echinacea and elderberry, they're really good as sort of general immune supports. So I know that people will have things like maybe cowpole and bits and pieces in there in their cupboards but actually elderberry um as a syrup for a little one who's got a cough or a cold is actually really really useful and echinacea was a herb that was long touted as being something that you took at the first sign of symptoms and that would really help with recovery from coughs and colds and flu and that kind of stuff actually what's been found now is that if you take it ongoing at a nice sort of low dose just continuously is it helps your body to be more resilient to onslaught by bits and pieces that are floating around in the air so could be an idea to, to get one of the two um, of those and just have them kind of in the back pantry if, if needed. 
And my final touch would be on things like fermented foods. So your kombucha, your sauerkraut, your kimchi, so all those fermented veg, uh, kefir, natto, fresh miso paste. They are absolutely wonderful for us. They're very rich in probiotic bacteria and they support our gut health. And if we've got healthy guts, we have got a our sort of first line defense for our immune system is always going to be more robust. So have a look at those, play around with them um, and get those into your diet. And they are just a few guess, little, little golden nuggets for people to go away and have a look into a little bit more themselves rather than me sitting here and, you know, carrying on for the next two hours. No, that's brilliant. And I think, again, like you said, you're opening up other kind of doors for people to go down and research. And if they're listening to this and they've ticked off everything, you know, if you ticked off everything we talked about today, you're doing really well. You're probably doing better than me. But um, I think that, you know, that's interesting. Um, the, the zinc one, I think, is a brilliant one to bring up. And because, you know, a lot of my experiences are founded in sports nutrition, quite a lot of studies are on zinc and zinc lozenges. But I've never actually even seen those. So I know they're used in research and people say, oh, add zinc lozenges in. They might help the immune system in the winter. But I've never actually even seen that those those products anywhere to buy. So I assume in tablet form is is probably the more readily available. Is that is that what you say would be the best thing yes. to do for a zinc? So when you look at a zinc lozenge, it has to specifically be zinc gluconate. Uh, so you'll find them, you will find them, but you would look for, if, if you search for zinc gluconate lozenges, you will find them, but they're usually part of NENT products, and they might have probiotics in them as well. Mm. They are fantastic, and if you get something like tonsillitis or sinusitis, because they're going to nourish that upper respiratory tract, big thumbs up, but they are not as easy to find as like an internal product. If you are going to look for your zinc, look for something like zinc picolinate or zinc citrate uh, they would be the ones that you'd find i mean these probably are just jargony words to somebody who who isn't particularly familiar with supplements but yeah i would say that you can you can find the zinc gluconate lozenges and they are good but they aren't as obvious not as many people make them um, as natural zinc or general zinc um, supplements that you would just take as a, as a capsule or a pill as an overriding when it comes to supplements try not to go for tablets try and go for capsules or drops because if it's a tablet then it's going to have to be compacted and it's more likely to have sort of nasty extras in it whereas a capsule potentially hopefully would be a little bit less likely to, to, to contain binders and fillers that's mm. a, a general point mm. so again that's you know it's another layer in terms of the the last kind of section we talked about testing and supplements just thinking about exactly what you're buying but you know if you're spending your own money and you're listening to this and you want to get something that's effective i think it is obviously a no-brainer so no brilliant thanks so much phoebe i'll put obviously again uh the link to your website the link to your instagram where people can follow your your journey through obviously your your um your days as a practitioner um we can get a bit of escapism too from obviously some of your walks and your pool stuff and things that'd be brilliant um and you know when when you do have the time um i'll, I'll try and get the uh, some of the recommendations from phoebe from today and some of some of my recommendations and i'll just put them together in a in a simple pdf document lovely people so if you are listening to this you know you're 62 minutes in and hopefully as a reward um i'll i'll send that to you and and i'll put my email address in the show notes if you need it now, it's mattgardennutrition at gmail.com. And I'm happy to send you just the list of the recommendations that Phoebe and I have covered um, for free because we said on the call it's important to spread this information 
Um, and I think everyone wins out of it. You know, you hopefully get a few things for your toolbox as practitioners. It's not necessarily something that's really hard for us. You know, there's obviously brands and tests and things that we consider to be quite useful for people. So um, we're happy to do it. And, and if you're happy to receive it, then just let us know. So, um, yeah. yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Please share the episode. I think it's going to be a brilliant one. Just share it with a friend. It's the only way the show will grow. Uh, keep in touch with Phoebe, keep in touch with myself and um, yeah, have a great week. Amazing.